pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day you've provided for us, allowing us to come here without fear of persecution or troubles or anything like that. Um, help us to just soak in and pay attention to the sermon tonight. Help it to just like uh, apply to us. Help uh, us to apply it to ourselves, to our lives. Help us to glorify you uh, throughout our life. Just uh, end the week. Help us to apply it to our lives, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Good evening. To start things off, I must ask you a question. <laughs> well, look what he look what he did there. Um, so uh, let's just put this to a, to a vote. My wife said this was cool. Uh, uh, she thought it, it looked. Really, this is her idea. She said, "Will you please do a mustache?" Uh, so I said, "All right, for you, babe. Anything." And um, and uh, if y'all think I should, what, babe? What did you say? Oh, you said you said it. Don't say. I know what she said. Don't tell me later. Uh, uh, so let's do a vote. Y- y'all think I should keep this for like a week or two, or should I sh- shave it off? Are some of you scared right now because you look a little scared? Now th- this is what I did. I I. I I let it grow out quite a bit, uh, and for me, the I, I don't know if I've ever had this much hair on my lip before. And I went, you know what? I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna rock a mustache for 24 hours, you know. And um, and uh, so I've I've gone out to lunch with some guys. It's just been a great day of folks going, "Hey, how are you?" and and women walking away from me as they as they see me. So it's been really cool, really cool. So. Hopefully, this is my prayer tonight. Yes, sir? Grow a beard until youth camp and then shave it off. Grow a beard until youth camp till no. I, I'm, not, I'm not that much of a man. It would be like four hairs. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, are, are you going to be able to pay attention to the text tonight? Try really hard. Is this better if I do this? Hey, guys. All right. All right. Here we go. So, um, who, who wrote the book of First Peter? Peter. Y'all are brilliant. Yes, see, you're already on course. And, and he was one of the 12 disciples. That's right. He was one of the 12 disciples. And who did he write it to? Christians or non-Christians? Christians. He wrote it to believers. And what city were they in? A bunch of them, right? They were scattered. Uh, and, and, and if you could put one word of a theme of this book, it's, or two words, it's enduring what? Enduring persecution. Okay, I, that that that's a new one. Okay, so 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 this book, First Peter, he's writing to them, saying, "Hey, hey, hold fast to the truths of God's word. You can do it." Uh, and and they are going through a time uh, that's rough, but really, after this book, it gets a lot worse for them in 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 time. They're much more attacked and killed for their faith. Uh, the pre- pretext here is in First Peter, uh, chapter one, beginning verse six. Through nine, we're just going to read that together. It's not our main text tonight, but uh, I, I want you to see this text because our main text starts with a word "therefore." And when you, whenever in the in, in the in the Word of God you see the word "therefore," you need to look why that word "there" is there for. What's that "therefore"? It's talking about what was written right before this. And if do y'all remember 
a long time ago, last week, I talked about three things that, that the text talked about that, that, that the Word of God says that we need to have. We need to have one was, remember, it starts with an H. Hope. It talks about the hope that we have. It talked about what else? It starts with an H. Heaven. Very good. And then it talked about a third thing, and what was that? Holding on. And do we hold on? No, we don't hold on. God holds on. Right? Don't miss that part. That, that we have hope, we have heaven, and the great news about all that is it's secure, not because you're strong enough, but because he's strong enough. So the whole text is about salvation and what our salvation is about. And we're going to sort of sit in, in what salvation means. And some of you go, well, I know what it means. But you know what? I don't think we can ever know enough of what it means. I don't think we can ever spend it, even on our own time, thinking about, man, what does this really mean in my life? How does it apply to my life? So this text goes along with it. In verse 6, just stay in your seats right now. It says this in, in verse uh, 6 of chapter 1, 1 Peter. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of G- 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 Jesus Christ. Just take note of what it says there. It says that the testing of your faith, when you go through trials and your faith is tested and you fight through and you honor God even through the trials, even when it's hard, he says it's more precious than gold. Do, do, do y'all like gold? Anybody here would like, if I was like, hey, and just to help y'all remember what I spoke about tonight, here's a bar of gold for each of you. Would you be like... Man, our youth group's pretty sweet, right? We, we like gold. And he says, hey, the testing of your faith, you going through trial and you enduring it and fighting to live for Christ is much more precious than even gold. And we would, we would, we, we try to act like, oh, well, gold, that's not very important to me. But we'd be like, oh, yeah, baby, I'll take it, right? It's much more precious, much more important to that because it results in what? The praise, glory, and honor of, G- of Jesus Christ. That is the goal of our life of believers in Christ. And then it says this in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though you have not seen him, you love him. I think we can all probably relate to that. If you have a faith in Christ, then I, I don't believe you have seen him. I don't think you're that old. Some I've met some of your parents that might look that old. I'm kidding, but they've not. We've not seen him, but but we love him because he is he's changed our life. He's talking about what the salvation of your soul. So we get to the main text in verse 13, and it says this. It says, "Therefore, what's it? Therefore, it's talking about the salvation of our souls, the hope." heaven and holding on that God does to us in our life. And there's a verse I want to remind you of, and I don't think I may not even have it for the screen. It's Romans 10, 17. It says this. I just want to explain the gospel just for a minute. You go, well, we've heard it before. That's great. Let's hear it again. This is what it says in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So this is how salvation works. The Bible, God's word, powered by the spirit of God, personally speaking to the hearts of men and women, young men and young women, who by faith 
respond and accept and believe for salvation. It's the Word of God working through the Spirit of God into the lives and hearts of men and women who respond in faith for salvation. That's what the gospel is. Do you agree with that? Does that sound right? There's two truths I just want to remind you about this thing we call the gospel. Uh, one is found is, is in the scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And it's one, if you, don't ha- you, if you want to like, memorize scripture, this is a fantastic one for you to know. Because this is what our faith, how our faith works. It says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. So for, first point is this, your faith is not by your works at all. Your faith is in Christ and the work that he did on the cross. Sometimes folks go, well, this is my faith. I accept Christ into my life, and then I do this and this and this, and then I'm saved. And that's not how it works. Salvation is this. I understand my sin. I understand I'm separated from God. I understand I need God because I can't get there on my own. I can't get good enough. I can't clean myself up. But God made a way through his son to live a perfect life and to die not for his sin, because he had none, but as a sacrifice for my sin to make me right and holy. And it's only because of my faith in him and the work that he has done, that's, that's it, that brings salvation. So it's, it's through faith and faith alone. In Second Peter 3.9, I, I don't have this for the screen, but it says this, that God wishes that none would perish, but all would come to eternal life. He wishes that none would perish, all... And I want you to understand this point about the gospel, because this is important. Have you ever met a bully before? Four four people. Okay, wow, we are in a nice place here in Yuli. This is great. Um, Okay, you put your hand down. I'm sitting by one. We've all met bullies before, but I want you to understand this. The gospel, as we understand it, what the Word of God says authorizes us to say this and believe this, that the most abandoned of mankind, the least deserving, the most evil and low, are as welcome to the cross and the benefits of the cross as the most moral. The killer. The rapist. The perverted the bully, the hater, the liar, the cheat. Fill in whatever you want to do. I want you to understand the gospel. You go, well, that's not fair. Well, in truth, it's not fair that anybody deserves a chance. We all rebel against God, and we all don't seek Him, and only because of the work of God do we. So don't miss the strength of the gospel, because sometimes there are people that come into my life, I just want to ream into them, and I, I just want to hate them for things that they do. Maybe even not to me, but those folks that I know or those that I love. And I just want to, oh, I just want the worst for them. But you know what God wants for them? He wishes for none to perish, but all to come to eternal life. So this thing called the gospel is a tricky thing because we want to hate. We want to, those that are mean, we want them to get their due. Everybody is, is going to get their due. But man, God wants that all all to come to him. That's what should be our heart in the gospel. Um, 
there's some verses I've run through y'all with as a group, and I think it's important for y'all to know. We do hand signs to them. If, if you're new here, don't freak out. We're just a little bit weird. Uh, so I'm going to ask for everybody to stand up right now. <clears throat> now, I'm going, to, I'm going to share this, and so don't, don't speak it out yet, uh, but, but this is the first verse. If you want to know, okay, what does the Bible say about salvation and what it means? Romans 3.23, and I've got a new verse in here. There's like a new verse with new moves. You're going to be like, oh, woo-hoo. okay, okay. Romans 3.23 says that, and, and this is the way we do, we do that. For all, we point out to all, have sinned. We do like a devil, it's not real, but it's just remember. All sin and come short, you put your hands down, of the glory of God. Glory of God. Okay, so, so for all have sinned, come short, the glory of God. Very good. So that's Romans 3, 23. Now the next verse we would go to, okay, so that means what? We all sin and we all come short. Everybody. The best person you know and the worst person you know, we all come short. Second one is this, Romans 6, 23. It says this, for, you know, you know, so if you've not seen this before, for the wages, like I'm going to pay you money, like the wages of sin is death. But... Okay, sorry, we just point to our butts because we don't know what else to do there. But, but yeah, but the gift of God, like a gift, is etern- e- eternal life. What's eternal life? I'm forgetting. So somewhere like this, I'll, I'll do this. Okay, eternal life through G- Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, JC, that's what, Jesus Christ, JC, our Lord. So that's a tougher one. Let's go do that again. So it's this, it's four... The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, very good. So we see that we, we sin, we all sin, and sin brings death. But it's not all bad news because, because God makes a way through Jesus Christ um, for eternal life. So we, we sort of see that in this verse. But this next verse, you know the verse, but you don't know the signs. It's John 3, 16. See if I can get this right now. This is it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. So you're like, like not, not perish. That's the only way I can think of it. Not perish but shall have everlasting life. So this is like the infinity sign, right? It's an eight sideways, right? Infinity, everlasting life. Say, okay, so let's do it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. So that's great news, right? God has made a way that we could not make it on our own. Now, if you want to be fun with your friends when you're like, hey, uh, I'm doing this for um, extra credit for a class. I'll give you extra credit for something. And, um, uh, or, you know, hey, look at this thing that I learned in church. You can do all the signs. This is just for it to stick in your brain. I just want you to know it. Now, the next verse. So let's, let's go through, through the first three again, okay? So, so Romans 3.23 is the ones that all of sin comes short of the, of the glory of God. Ready? For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Then it's Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I was doing a lot of different signs. Sorry. And then John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Very good. But there's, there's an important verse you've got to share because some go, well, I believe that and I believe a lot more stuff. But this is a very important verse, John 14, 6. G, G, Jesus said, only one G on that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay, that's what he said. Sorry, I don't know why we do but and we point that way. It's just we do it, right? So G, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The only way to God is through the Son. It's the only, it's what the Word of, if you believe the Word of God, this is the only way to God. And then Romans 10, 13. Now the the verses 9 and 10, we don't have moves for them, but it says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And we use the verse 10, 13. It says, for all who call, 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 on the name of the Lord, like you're putting on a seatbelt with an L, something like that, name of the Lord, will be, and you've got a life preserver in your hand. Someone's out there in the water. You're trying to get it to them, and so they will be... And you throw it, it's a long way down, save. Okay, so that's the way that works. For, and so for all who call, call, we just do like a crow. I don't know why, but, but, it's, but it's fun. Ready? So this is it. Hey, hey, shh, shh. for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow, something broke over there. Okay. Very good. Have a seat. Have a seat. That's the gospel. In a nutshell, how do I share my faith? That, that, that is what we do. We sin. We're, we're, it brings death. The only hope is through Jesus Christ. We must put our faith in him. God made a way through him. You must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart. God raised him. You will be saved. So very important stuff. For you to know. Now, there's a a movie that came out, and I'm, there's this just very short clip I want to show to show you. It sort of even has to do with this, but it's uh, and and let me start off by saying this. Um, I was raised in the Catholic faith. Okay, I was raised up until I was was 16. That that was the faith that I was a part of, and this is what I I truly believe about the Catholic faith. I believe there are Christians in the Catholic faith. I believe there are non Christians in the Catholic faith. I've been uh, in the Baptistic faith since I was uh, 16. I believe there are Christians in Baptist churches. I believe there are non-Christians in Baptist churches. Do you understand what I'm saying? This, there's gonna be, this was the best. Sometimes when folks go, well, what's the difference between Catholics and Protestants? What, what, what's the difference between the two? And when I saw this chart, this sort of one, a minute and a half, it was the best explanation I've ever seen on the differences between the two faiths. Uh, uh, so uh, I want you to understand that this isn't to, this isn't to bash Catholicism at all. This is to 
educate you to understand what they believe compared to what we believe. Do you understand? Yes? Okay. So uh, it's about a minute and a half long. So take, take a look at the screen. In the Roman Catholic plan of salvation, baptism cleanses an infant from original sin. And that is the sacrament of regeneration as well as justification. That it starts them off on this plan, on this track. Along the way, however, they can commit these small sins, venial sins, which plunges them back down. And heaven forbid they commit a mortal sin, which knocks them completely off the plan of salvation. And he must now receive sacraments. He must confess his sins to a priest, which is the sacrament of penance. And then he must be re-justified by doing good works, by doing penance. And once he is re-justified, then he must maintain his salvation through sacraments. And if, in the end, if they have enough people praying for them, and if they do enough time in purgatory, they might possibly get to heaven. How they get to heaven is based on what they do rather than what Christ has done. But the Bible teaches, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the work has been done. He saves you totally, completely, perfectly. And even though, yes, we sin and can repent, the sacrifice of Christ has paid for those sins. And so there is assurance that he has saved you, he has plucked you out of the world, you're in the palm of his hand, and nobody can pluck you out of his hand. All right, was that, was that clear, clear for you? I had I, I, not seen one that, that, that was that clear on the, 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 the differences between the, uh, the uh, faiths. And I, I grew up in it. Uh, and so, and trying to understand it, but like I said, I do firmly believe I know cat, cat Catholics who have saving faith in G, in Jesus Christ, not a doubt in my mind. Uh, and I know some that are lost, and I know church church going folks, uh, the churches that I that, that I serve at that may go all the time, but man, they're just lost as anybody else. So, so I just wanted to to let you see that because, man, I thought, man, that's a good explanation of the difference between how we practice our faith. We're in, we're now. I'm about to jump into some texts here, and we're we're two thirds of the way done, or three fourths of the, of the way done. So, don't think just because I'm starting this text, going, oh man, we got how how much more left? Because some of the most important stuff we've done tonight is looked at the therefore. What, what's this text there for and what it's talking about? And that's what we've spent a lot of this, this time in. So uh, stand together with me because we do this every week. And some part of our text in honor of just remind, remind us this is the word of God. Uh, so this is what it says, verses uh, 13 to 16. Uh, Therefore, prepare your minds for a- action and being sober-minded, mi- 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 set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy as for I am holy. Let's pray. Dear God, as we we finish out this this text and this, this time tonight, God, 
I just beg for, your, for you just to move in this place, Lord. Give a freedom in this place, Lord, for, for, for students to, to hear your word and to respond to your word, whether it's for the first time to respond in faith, to put their faith and trust in you, to admit their sin and their need for you, or whether it's just to lay down just some things of this world and quit conforming to the world and start living a holy life. Lord, draw us to you right now to live for you. God, we need your help in every way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, have a seat. So there's a this, so we know what the therefore is therefore, but then it says this, prepare preparing in the ESV it says preparing your mind for action. The actual Greek phrase there is is a great phrase. Um, I wish the ESV had kept, but it would confuse folks. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Hey people, gird up the loins of your mind. You'd be like, okay. And what does that mean? Well, we can say, well, it says prepare your mind for action. But what it does, a picture for those that read this text when it was, they first got this letter, is when you would gird up your loins is when you, hey, hey, Billy is about to get his rear end beat because he's not home for dinner. You need to go run, get him a little, a little Johnny in your robe. So Johnny would take his robe and tie it up high around his waist so that he could run clearly, and that's girding up your loins and bring your clothes up so that you can move fast or that you could work. When someone would go to battle or fight, they would gird up their loins. They would get rid of the stuff that would get in the way so they could move freely. Be, it's, it's prepare yourself. Get ready for this. I think of someone who's, who lifts weights. As you can tell, I'm, I'm a guy, you think, man, this guy must lift weights all the time. I'm so big and ripped. And, um, and anyways... Um, the mustache makes me look bigger, right? Uh, and so a lot of these guys, though, they, they take these big belts and they put them around their waist. I never really had to do that because my weights never got that high. Uh, and they put it tight around their waist when they're doing these big certain things above their head. Why? Because they want their core to be tight. They want it to be held. It sort of helps to give them strength. It means prepare yourself. Man, if, if, if you're going to go into fight, put this belt on. Uh, get ready for this. And then it says this, be sober-minded. Don't miss this part. Uh, that means, one, not under the influence of drink or, 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 or drugs, okay? Uh, but two, it also means this, don't be an emotional wreck. Sober-minded. Man, you need, to be, you need to be calm and sort of well thought about. Prepare your mind and, 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 and chill, don't be this up. Have you ever met someone who's up and down? They're like, man, life's great. Life's horrible. Life's great. Like, have you ever met that person? You might be that, that person. If so, I'll pray for you after the service. Um, as a youth pastor, one thing that I'm asked the most, of, that's not, uh, it's not real spiritual. It's, hey, what do you think about tat- tattoos? I've been asked that question more than any other question in all my life. And this is what my response is, and it's not changed over the years. Uh, most people, wrong statement. Lots of people, especially students that I've met, uh, get tattoos because they want to be different or edgy and all this stuff. The problem is, everybody's got a stinking tattoo nowadays. I mean, people you don't, my grandma's got a tattoo. I mean, you're like, what? what's happened? It used to be like this rare thing. Now it's not. So when they go, well, you know, I just want to be, and I'm like, you want to be edgy or different? This is what I talk to, to believers. Hey, you want to be edgy or, di- or, or different? Live for Christ for one week straight, best you can. 
See what that shakes up around you. See the friends that you lose, some respect you might gain. That's being edgy and different. But this is one thing that I've, I've seen, and I've, I've said this. Don't, I'm like, if your folks are, you're old enough, I, you know, I think, you, I don't know if 16-year-olds need to get tattoos. You know, that's just, just me. Um, <clears throat> if you're old enough and your, your parents, you're still under their roof and they're okay with it, uh, I think if you're, you're 20 but you still live at home, you still got to respect your parents. Because you're still, you're still a boy or a girl. You're not a man or a woman. Ooh, man, that stinks. Um, so, so you still got to respect the, the roof you're under. You're under that authority. So as long as you, they're, they're cool with it, um, and you're not getting it when you're an emotional wreck. Because most people I know that get tattoos are in very low times of their life. And they're getting it, and they're down and out, and they're just bummed, and they're hurt, and they get it. And, and so I'm like, hey, as long as you're stable... You know, as long as you've, you've given it some time and you're not in a low point, because a lot of people get at low points, and then they're the ones that go, yeah, I wish I hadn't got that one, or this one, or this one, or this one. Or, I don't know where they're putting them. You know? so, so, but, but, you know, so th- this is talking about being sober-minded. Man, man, as, as you're about to see this next text, he's saying, hey, prepare your mind and be, be stable. Be stable. Be, be calm. And then he, he uses a beautiful word. Uh, that we talked about this past week. Uh, and it says this, um, prepare your minds, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. Set your hope. Man, rebellions are built on hope, Hope, right? Right? Have you ever heard that line before? Anyway, it's a Star Wars reference. No worries. Um, if you don't get it, I, uh, your parents haven't raised you right, and I'll have to talk to them. Um, uh, so, so, you know, but this is the truth about hope. Having hope does you no good. It's what you put your hope in. I can put my hope in my truck all day long. Man, and some of you go, man, just, if I can just get a car, life is going to be set. But one day that car is going to break, or that car ain't going to be as great as you hoped it would be after two days, or there's going to be time that car is going to, be, it's going to break down and be done. And your hope has been in that car. What a waste. What are you putting your hope in? That's the big question there. Our confidence, our hope, is in the best, the, the, the best, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that's what my hope is in. And when your hope is in that and God holds it secure, I'm not, I don't hold it. All I have is the hope, what he, he says he will give and has planned and has prepared uh, a place for us and all this stuff. That's what our, our hope is in. And that helps us not to be so up, down, up, down. And then verses 14 and 15 talk about two paths. And there are two paths that, who do you write to here? The, 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 the non-church, right? No, right? He wrote to the church. Okay, he's writing to believers. We don't know if they're all believers, but we know that he's writing to the, the church at the time. And he says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the p- passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. You've got two choices to be conforming to what everybody else is doing. And most people are doing that. Even most people in the church are doing that. They're conforming. Well, the world says this is what you're supposed to act. That's what I'm going to be. Or he says, be holy as I am holy. What does that look like? That looks like everything that the world is not. 
That's graciousness. That's generosity. That's servitude. That's being a, a servant to those around you. That's being humble. That's being meek. That's being gracious. That's being mer- merciful. They don't deserve my mercy. You don't know what they, do you know what they said about, about me? Yeah, I know. Be merciful. Be gracious. It's, it's being set apart. He uses a term here called, that says obedient children. I love this term. Have you ever seen kids that are out of con- control? Do you ever want to kick their teeth in? I never have that. Okay, I think that a lot. Um, there's a, 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 a reason why um, God called me to youth work and not kids. Kids, I'd have been fired a long time ago. Uh, I'm just not the gracious of souls in that area. My wife would probably agree with that. But it's interesting because he says, be like obedient kids. Why, why does he use that term? Because if you're in a room with obedient kids and disobedient kids, you can pick those obedient kids out in a heartbeat. Heartbeat, toeing the line. And I, there are some kids, let me say this, that have, have some issues. I mean, and they're just born with some issues or, or uh, just life has put in some things in their past. I understand that, but I'm talking about unruly kids. Um, my girls, my little girls have friends that come over to the house. Uh, and sometimes like the mom will drop them off and they'll be at the house. And for some reason they love our stinking house. That's great, right? And are, are y'all okay? Yes? The mustache still got y'all me- messed up. It's got me messed up too. They love to come to the house. And just th- this week, one of the girls was uh, col- coloring on our, our table. The rain had stopped, so it was time for them to go home. So my sweet wife goes, hey, so-and-so, time for you to, time for you to go home. And she says, nope, I'm going to color. And so I'm sitting at the table doing some, some church work, and I go, eh, like I'm talking to a dog. It's a gift. I, I go, eh, eh, and the girl looks up, and I said, get your shoes on. You're going home. And she's like, blink, blink. Like, she's like four, I think, maybe. I've got a gift to the kids. And, and she's four, so she's like. And, uh, and so she goes, gets her stuff, and she goes out. Well, even a couple days before that, we had another little girl there at the house. Dad was there to pick her up. His girl, she's not coming at all. My girls come out, and I'm like, where's where's and they're like, she won't come. So I said, I'll take care of this. So I, I excuse me, he's chatting, this is whatever. And so I go to the back of the house, and, and, and she's in the room in the morning. I said, hey, I was really sweet. I was really good. I said, hey, it's time to go. Your, your dad's waiting, and you need, to, you need to come. And she goes, nope, not going to leave. So I you know, was just, I said, fine. I'm going to shut out the light, and I'm going to lock the door in five seconds. <laughs> And she came. She went running to her dad. I don't know if that was probably wrong to do, but it worked. But it worked. And, and those, are, those are true stories and probably not the best, but it got them moving. Um, that's why I work with youth and not, not students. So as obedient children, my wife's like, I can't believe you shared that story. Uh, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't be conformed to the things of the world because now you know better. Now you know better. Lion, 
purity. Don't, don't go to that stuff. Cheating. I think it even goes down to, to not, not, not trying your best at whatever you do. Do you understand God wants you to honor Him in every aspect of your life? That includes school and schoolwork. That includes authority that's in your life, even though you don't like them. And maybe it's hard to respect them. Maybe it's someone that they teach you at school. If, if they're your teacher at school, do you understand God has placed them over authority over you to an extent? It's not more authority than your mom and dad have, but there's authority that he's allowed you to have in your life and you need to learn to cope with because life is going to be full of authority that's just junk. But if we can't learn to, to respect the authority we, we, we can see, we'll never respect the authority that we can't see in, in God. It, it's, a, it, it's, it's there to teach us. Conformity is doing what everybody else is doing so you can fit in to be liked. Uh, to be popular, to date, to be cool, to be successful. And it's usually rooted in me, 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 and me. You can quote me on that. then, Then he says in the next verse, but as he who called you is holy, as God is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Holy is being different. It, it, that's what it means set apart, but not for the sake of being different. It's being for the sake to honor Christ and God in all of your life and to be Christ-like in all you do. That is what being holy is. There's two paths to take. Conforming, which most people do even in the church, or holiness that few do, but God demands it for those who believe in Him. Be holy as I am holy. That is the challenge we have for us this week. What are you going to do about it in your life? What in your, in your life right now are you conforming to? That you're like, man, I'm probably a lot more like the, the world in this than I am like Christ. What is it? Is, who, who do you need to f- forgive? Who do you need to extend grace to? Who do you need to serve? Who do you need to help? Who do you need to give to? Who do you need to look out for? Who do you need to stick up for? How long are we going to just conform and not be be holy as God says, be holy as I am holy? Let's pray and we'll be dismissed tonight. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, that you expect much of us, but God, you give us so much more. You give us so much grace and mercy and forgiveness in our own life. God, help us learn how to extend that out to our brothers and sisters in our homes, our brothers and sisters in the youth group, uh, to our, our, our parents, Lord, to friends. Lord, may we be an example of Christ wherever we go. Give us strength and courage to follow you. And God, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for in his name, We pray, amen.